Welcome to the Life Room Podcast. Real life, real Christians, real struggles. Our mission here is simple. Our desire is for everyone to understand how the Word of God is relevant to their lives. So each show, you will hear a short teaching followed by a brief discussion on how that teaching relates to you in your everyday life. So share with someone and allow God's Word to come directly into your living rooms, your cars, or maybe into your office. Welcome to the Life Room. Our lesson today will be coming from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 6 of the NIV, this Christmas. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 6 of the NIV. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way, of the sea beyond the Jordans. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning It will be used for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In this season of Christmas, we often get busy shopping for gifts, attending holiday parties and other things that tend to fill our season. But today I wanted to take a few minutes to focus on the most important reason for the season on this Christmas Eve. And that is the promise that God made good on. We find our text today in the book of Isaiah, which is a prophetic book written by the prophet Isaiah. Thankfully, Isaiah was kind enough to note which kings were reigning during his ministry. And so we can conclude that he wrote this prophecy around 700 to 680 years before Christ was born. The main reason Isaiah writes was to show how serious God takes his covenants and to give his people hope for the future. I want to tell you that if God has made a covenant with you, you can count on it. God is not a covenant breaker, so even when we mess up, we may have to experience some consequences, but the covenant is still good. I'm so grateful that even when I messed up, it may have caused me to lose some things, delay some things even, but it did not cause me my relationship with him. So as we look at what Isaiah had to say about the coming Savior, remember that this book of Isaiah is in the Old Testament. Although the book of Isaiah is very similar to many of the prophetic books in that it covers future judgment and eventual restoration, the New Testament quotes from Isaiah more than any other prophet because he had so much to say about the coming king. He literally prophesied our deliverance and our deliverer hundreds of years before he arrived. And in our text today, it begins with the word, nevertheless. 
nevertheless is a word placed in a situation in which what is going on is different than what it will be. It's like me saying, I'm tired, but nevertheless, I'm going to work. It's like what I'm going through does not match what I'm about to do. I want to start off early in this message, encouraging you that because of Jesus, whatever you're going through, you have a nevertheless, as in there is better to come. And this scripture goes there early. Yeah, Isaiah begins referring to how chapter eight ended. Now, if you go and read chapter eight, you'll find out that it ended with things looking hopeless and desolate. But chapter nine opens up with hope. Any moment now, it could be the end of your previous chapter of hurt and defeat. Nevertheless, signifies that at your worst time, having the Savior allows you to have hope even in hopeless situations. Even in rough times, I have a promise because I have a covenant with God. Second Corinthians says that we are persecuted but not forsaken. And so as I told you, Isaiah wrote this to give the people hope that the ultimate glory is coming, even after your craziest season. He says in the future, there will be a day where there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. What I like about this scripture is Isaiah acknowledges that God saw you in your season of gloom, but he is working on a glorious rescue beyond compare. The reason I like this acknowledgement is because oftentimes we credit God when we are on a high, but when we are going through, we question, where is God? But Isaiah lets them know that while you are in the gloom, he is preparing your better. Look at what it also says in verse one. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephetili, but in the future, he will honor Galilee. There are times when our sins cause us to have to be humbled. But I'm so glad that he won't leave us at that place. Isaiah then goes on to talk about how much different their lives will be one day. And watch what he says. In verse 2, it talks about those walking in darkness, experiencing a great light. Even those living in deep darkness, he indicates, they will experience a light that will lead them out of that place. And in verse 3, Isaiah talks about how their nation will be enlarged and how they will have their joy increase. Where there was sadness, there will be joy. He says, they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Think about it. We get excited about a harvest because it means that what we have been working on, all the seeds we have planted, we finally get to see the fruits of our labor. He then says, they rejoice as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. After you have fought a courageous battle, after you have fought against all the things that the enemy meant for evil, now we are going to be able to enjoy the victory. See, this is good because for some of us, it feels like we can't ever enjoy the win because as soon as we get out of one battle, here comes another one. But here, Isaiah talks about being able to enjoy and rejoice dividing the plunder. He then moves on and makes an analogy to when the Midianites were defeated. He says that you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. He's saying that these burdens are only temporary. They won't last forever. He talks about 
the bars across their shoulders, those things that come to oppress you and depress you and keep you down when the appointed time comes, even those bars will be broken. Not only that, but he talks about the rod of the oppressor, the rod that your enemy uses to keep you from where you were meant to be. That rod will have no effect on you when your season arrives. In fact, there will be no weapon formed against you. Rather, it be a bar or a rod, a system or a person that will ever be able to prosper over you. Then I really like verse 5. It says, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. The things that remind you of the fight, those boots, those garments stained in blood, he says they are destined for burning meaning that these things will not be remaining in your life. You will not carry them as scars with you into this new place. He indicates that these things are destined for burning, but he does not stop there. He then says that it will be fuel for the fire. This is good. The thing that caused them to have garments rolled in blood in the first place, that means they have been through some things. Yeah. They had to cry over some things. They had to go through some things that were both traumatic and tragic. But he says that one day these things are going to be destined for burning. And then it's going to be the fuel that keeps the fire burning. Yeah, God is going to use the things that you had to go through to keep you motivated. Yeah, he's going to use those things to keep you strong. He's going to use that thing to make you better. Man, you got to think about it. This thing was meant to break you. It was meant to kill you, to destroy your spirit. But God has a wonderful way of making these things work out for the good of them who love God and called according to his purpose. And so the question I'm sure had to be asked to the prophet Isaiah as he was prophesying these things is how is this going to happen? What is going to set all of these things in motion so that I can have hope that what I'm going through won't be like this forever? What is going to cause these things to change for me? And he provides the answer in verse 6 and the reason why we celebrate this season. He says, for unto us a child is born. Come on. To us a son is given. Let me stop right there. He says, unto us a child is born. God had a flesh coat prepared and had his son come through Mary to enter the earth to provide everything that Isaiah talked about in verses 1 through 5 for us. It was personal. He didn't identify a specific nation, a specific people like the Jews or the Gentiles or even the Israelites. Although he was speaking to them, he said he was born for us. He did it for you. He did it for me. And that's why we can't be selfish about Jesus in this season. Yeah, the gift we should be given is Jesus so that people can experience this nevertheless hope. This hope that it does not have to be like this always. See, what this world needs right now is hope. We have people struggling to find hope. And it's everywhere. From the pulpit, from the pulpit to the pew. We have many who are simply not okay. Preaching, but struggling. Teaching, but struggling. Dancing on the outside, but struggling. People are struggling, and they are having a hard time even thinking it anymore. Somehow, 
through all these gifts and celebration and parades, we have to find a way to introduce them to Jesus. But not only that, we have to introduce them to Jesus, not with the promise that tomorrow everything will be worked out, but that he, as verse 6 ends with, will be a wonderful counselor. Yeah, we can talk to Jesus when we can't talk to anyone else. He has come to be the one that you can put your trust in when you can't trust your family or your friends. When you can't even trust yourself, you can trust him as a wonderful counselor. He needs you to know that he saw everything you went through in chapter 8. And even in that, he was with you. Not only in this season do we celebrate him for being a wonderful counselor, but Isaiah also refers to him as a mighty God, a God who can do all things, a God with no limitations, an everlasting father, he goes on to say, yeah, one who will always be there. And my favorite, the Prince of Peace. Is there anyone who just needs peace? Yeah, money can't buy you peace. Status can't buy you peace. And so when we begin looking for peace in other things, what we find out is that we can't find it in those things because those things don't have peace in them. But when we take on fully to Jesus, he is the prince of peace and can give us something that no one else can provide. And so this Christmas, let's celebrate with friends and family. But let us not forget that unto us a child is born and to us a son is given. His name is Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel. God is with us. This Christmas we celebrate Jesus. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. If so, visit our website at liferoomcc.com to hear today's full episode. Also, learn more about the Life Room Community Church coming soon to your area.